Jesus didn't die so that we can have this moral freedom to do as we please and become someone different. No, Jesus died so that dead people, enslaved people, could have new life, could be set free, could now live not as people bound to do, but people free to be. This is what he goes on to say. For the end of those things is death. All of our sin produces death. All of our sin that we were enslaved to kills our spirit, kills our bodies, destroys our relationships, every single one of them. There's good news. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. That is to becoming someone new. The fruit you get leads to becoming someone new and it's end eternal life. That's the good news of Jesus. The reason you and I need to find our hope and our comfort and our direction and our wisdom and our life in Jesus is because he has rescued us from slavery. And now we get to be slaves to him, to give ourselves to him. As Joshua puts it, to choose this day whom we will serve. Will this day be about God or will it be about myself? Will this day be about honoring him and serving him and finding joy in him or not? Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, And that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8 located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Hey, good morning, Point family. It is so good to be with you once again. I am so glad to join you here in this place. Now, Emily got so distracted by blueberry cake donuts, she forgot to let you know something that I want to tell you. If you go on to thepointknox.com, there's an opportunity there to fill out a connect card. This is an opportunity for you not only to let us know that you're joining us online and engaging with God and connecting with Him here together in this way, but also for you to let us know ways we can pray for you. So if you'd take a moment today as you're listening to this message, uh, at the end of the message, go online, fill out that connect card. For every one of you who's filled one out in the past, we'll give $1 to the community just to say, we're glad you're here. And for every one of you that fills one out for the very first time, we're going to give $5 to the community to say, we love you and we're really glad you're here. Now, during this time, this COVID-19, safer at home, things look a little different time, there's a lot that has kind of risen to the top as things that are really important to me and probably important to you as well. This series we're in, Where Do We Go From Here, is is looking at what happens next in life after pandemic. What, Where do we turn to? Where do we go from here? And I have a really important question 
uh, to ask you today. More important than the most holy food there is, bagel or donuts, uh, I have this question for you. When you have a really long and stressful day or week or eight weeks, when you're going through a rough season, where do you turn for comfort? Maybe for you, it's a comfort food. You have a specific food that at the end of a long day, you want to sit down and you want to eat. I know in my household, if we have any chocolate or sweets, there's a good chance that at the end of the day, they're going to be sitting between my wife and I, and we're both going to eat and eat and not even notice. It's really not good, but I enjoy it. Or maybe your comfort is not turning to food, but your comfort is turning to some form of electronics and you've accidentally binged watched Netflix every night for the last three weeks. Um, guilty, not every night, but certainly plenty of nights. Or maybe your comfort is not uh, food or electronics, but your comfort is some kind of comfy clothes, and you haven't changed out of your sweatpants in eight weeks, with the exception of putting on other sweatpants so you can wash those sweatpants. Maybe that's your comfort, or maybe just maybe your comfort is the Holy Trinity. All three together, binge watching Netflix, eating all your food and wearing your comfy pants and that's how you unwind after a long day. What is it you turn to for comfort? Or what is it you turn to not for comfort, but when you're at a total loss and need to clear your head or, or change the way you're thinking and begin to think differently, where do you go? I find myself often uh, turning to things and people and opportunities and experiences for my comfort. I turn to these things when I'm stressed, when I'm wanting to be distracted, when I'm overwhelmed. I turn to these things that are temporarily a lot of fun, but in the long run, they're kind of meaningless. Like it doesn't matter how many times I've seen The Office, at the end of the day, it's just a TV show. I know, that's a bold statement to make, but I made it. It's just a show. Where, where do we turn when times get tough? Well, I think the answer to where we turn when times get tough is where we turn when times are going well. Where we turn when things aren't falling apart. That reveals to us what we're going to do most when things are falling apart. I've found during this season myself really reflecting on what does it mean for us as a church to be the church? And we, we exist in everything we do to connect the disconnected to a growing and reproducing relationship with Jesus. And I've had to ask myself over these last several weeks, how are we doing? Are people, are you and me, are, are we together connecting with Jesus? Are we growing in our relationship? Are we experiencing him in our lives? Where are we? It's been really fun these Sunday mornings, this small group of six of us gathering to come to you from Emily's living room to be here in this distant yet together sort of way. And one of the things I've really enjoyed about this time is the opportunity to connect with each other to have conversations because it's been a slower pace of Sunday morning. Less set up and less to do and more opportunity to just talk about life, about the good and the bad and the stressful and the confusion, just to talk. And in some of these conversations, one of the things that has come up is that during this time of safer at home, of quarantine, of, of 
removing all the busyness and all the clutter and all the things, one thing's kind of risen to the top. Our relationship, your relationship, my relationship with Jesus cannot, cannot exist if it exists only in the context of our Sunday morning gatherings. See, you and I, in order to connect with Jesus, we need so much more of Him in our life than just this hour together on Sundays. I've been reminded by several people of the value they've found in this time, the opportunity to slow down and look at God's Word and connect with Him in prayer and begin to experience Him not in our togetherness, but in His Word, in His promises, in His faithfulness. There's a story today we're going to look at where the people of God are given this challenge to decide for themselves who will be most important in their lives, to decide for themselves how they will be guided, how they will live, how they will make decisions, where they will find comfort. And it's a story that is at first really encouraging and then kind of challenging. So it's found in Joshua chapter 24. If you want to follow along, feel free to pull out your Bible or use your phone or find it on the internet. Joshua chapter 24. In the first portion of this chapter, Joshua, he's nearing death. He's he's coming near the end of his life and he has one last thing to say to the people. If you're not familiar with who Joshua is, he's the man that followed Moses. The man that came after Moses to actually lead the people out of their wandering in the wilderness and into the promised land. And through Joshua, some incredible things happened. The people conquered the land. They were given these cities and this wealth that they didn't earn. They were given incredible blessing. Life was going well for them. And as Joshua was concluding his life, he reminds them of all that God has done for them. In the beginning of this, he he reminds them of how they used to be slaves. They were slaves in Egypt and they were forced to work and life was miserable and things were hard and they couldn't do what they wanted to do. They were slaves. But God miraculously showed up. As he had promised, God appeared to his people. He heard their cries and their groanings, their pain and their suffering. And God showed up for them to not only experience his love, but witness his power. As he met them where they were and began to transform them on this journey to bring them from where they were to someplace new. Joshua reminds them, you were once slaves, but God has rescued you. And then he goes on, he says, now not only did God rescue you, he provided as you wandered through the wilderness for 40 years, as you wandered seemingly aimlessly because you couldn't get it together, God provided. Time and time again, you grumbled and said, where are you, God? He said, here I am, just as I've always been. And then he reminds them of the land they're living in. How God had rescued them, not only from slavery and provided for them through the wandering, but now God had actually blessed them with things they didn't earn and didn't deserve. God had given them all of these blessings to live this life filled with His promises. The only thing God had asked was serve me, follow me, trust in me, love me, and I will continue to be everything that I've always promised to be for you, even when life gets hard and when life gets rough. 
And now after describing all that God had done, Joshua, he puts before the people this challenge. It says this in verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Joshua looking at all that God has done, everything he's accomplished, all the ways he's provided and rescued and saved and blessed, all of his goodness, even in the midst of pain. Joshua says then, here's the deal. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity. Serve him with who you are, not just as something you do from time to time, but make your life centered on God. I don't know about you, but for me during this time apart and this time at home, I've been forced to look at myself in the mirror and say, how much do I depend on myself? How much do I trust in my own ability to connect with people, my own ability to comfort and encourage people, my own ability to do the things God has called me to do? And how much do I seek Him and trust Him and expect that He's the one who will work in me and through me? What about you? Is your life centered in Jesus? Is it centered in finding God as the source of your hope? The reason you get out of bed in the morning, the way you wind down, wind down at night, is your life centered in finding His goodness in the midst of suffering? He goes on and he says this, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. See, God doesn't force anyone to follow him or to love him or to know him. God isn't forcing his way into our lives in this mean, angry, love me or else sort of way. He's just putting forth the reality. God is infinitely good and he's here for us. That's it. And he's made himself infinitely available, always hearing our cries and our times of pain and being there to rescue and to love and to provide and to give everything we need. Are we seeking him? Are we crying out to him? He says, if it's evil for you to serve this God, so be it. If you would rather serve other gods, if you'd rather do the things that you did before in slavery, so be it. That's okay. Then he goes on, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, for Joshua, he recognized that in all situations, the good and the bad, God alone was worth everything. And I think for many of us, God is something and someone we love when it's convenient. And I'm equally guilty of this sometimes. Going about my day, thinking about God only when I'm struggling with a problem, but forgetting to praise Him when things are going really well. Going about my day, thinking I have the answers and I know how to fix whatever I'm going through, and forgetting that He's the one who wants to go through it with me. Not only who wants to, the one who's able to. I vent to my wife, I complain to my friends, I share all my problems, but I forget to turn to Him and say, God, I can't do this without you. Come and do it with me, and even better yet, do it for me. And before we see how the people respond, before we see uh, how Joshua responds to their response, 
I want to jump ahead to the New Testament. I want us to look for a moment at Romans chapter 6. Romans is this letter written by Paul, the apostle, a man who had experienced great loss. His whole life as he knew it had been changed the moment he met Jesus. When Jesus encountered him and he connected with Jesus, everything was different. Not always better, but different. And Paul, he writes this letter to the Romans and he writes about the reality of what God has done. And this whole letter is laying out kind of the foundation. What do we believe God has done for you and for me? And then the end of the letter is, so now what? Because he's done this, what changes for you and for me? And in chapter 6, he talks about in the law how we used to have things we had to do. In the old covenant, the people of God, to continue to be with God, had to keep doing the things he said, this is good. And he warns, if you don't do these things, it will go poorly for you. Now Paul, he writes about this new covenant and he reminds them that we are people who are inevitably not really that free to choose a whole lot anyway. See, we live in a country, we think it's all about you and me freely choosing what we want. But scripture paints this picture that kind of like the people in Egypt, we're actually slaves. We're bound to do things we don't always want to do. Here's what it says in verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? See, Paul describes our life of sin, our actions, the things we turn to for comfort that aren't always good. He describes the ways that we live that often bring us harm. He says we were slaves to this sin. There's no freeing ourselves, no doing things different. The fruit of all of our labor, shame. Does that sound familiar to you? I know in my life when I think about the things I've done and the things I do that I am not proud of. Like the ways I used to find comfort in relationships and I unhealthily depended on other people for my source of identity. And if they didn't love me enough, something must have been wrong with me. Or the ways in which I would find myself scrolling through Facebook, getting jealous of the life other people got to live. Or the ways in which I'd find myself complaining about the very people I'm called to love. Maybe the sin that you have been enslaved to is something significantly greater and it, it lingers significantly deeper and it hurts significantly more. You want to be a man or woman who honors God with your eyes and yet when you're lonely, you turn to the internet to find things your eyes should not see. You turn to the internet to find things your heart should not dwell on and you know that it's not good. But you keep going back anyway. I've been there. I think we've all been there. We all have this sin in our lives. We cannot change. Jesus didn't die that bad people can become good people. Jesus didn't die so that we can have this moral freedom to do as we please and become someone different. No, Jesus died so that dead people, enslaved people, could have new life, could be set free, could now live not as people bound to do, 
people free to be. This is what he goes on to say. For the end of those things is death. All of our sin produces death. All of our sin that we were enslaved to kills our spirit, kills our bodies, destroys our relationships, every single one of them. There's good news. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, that is, to becoming someone new. The fruit you get leads to becoming someone new and its end, eternal life. That's the good news of Jesus. The reason you and I need to find our hope and our comfort and our direction and our wisdom and our life in Jesus is because he has rescued us from slavery. And now we get to be slaves to him, to give ourselves to him. As Joshua puts it, to choose this day whom we will serve. Will this day be about God or will it be about myself? Will this day be about honoring him and serving him and finding joy in him or not? See, now we have this choice before us. And don't hear me wrong. Paul by no means ever says that we stop sinning. Like you and I continue to sin every day. We think things we shouldn't think. We do things we shouldn't do. We speak things that bring pain to the people around us. When Paul says we've been set free from sin, he is not saying we stop sinning. But instead, our lives are now owned not by our sin and our shame and our guilt and our regret, but by a God who's given everything to set us free who's given everything to love us, that we might know his love today. And in those moments of sin, in that time where we experience the weight of our shame and our guilt, when we find ourselves doing what we don't want to do, we turn back to this God. We reconnect again today with him and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you here, now, today, and tomorrow and every single day. If I've learned anything during this safer at home time, it's that you and I need to depend less on our Sunday morning gathering and more on our Jesus, our God, who gives everything every single day for our life in Him. We need to depend less on when we're together in person as our sole source of nutrients and life and livelihood in Him and more on Him every single day. Going back to Joshua, the people of God, they hear this call, choose this day whom you will serve. And of course, they all respond as I think you and I would. Okay then. Far be it from us, we should forsake God and follow other gods. We will only choose this God, the one who saved us, the one who's rescued us, the one who's provided for us. He will be enough. But then Joshua doesn't respond as I would hope he would. See, I would like to see Joshua respond like this. Well, good, great, you guys have decided to follow Jesus. You guys have chosen God. Everything will be great. Okay. But instead, Joshua warns him, he says, you are not able to serve the Lord. 
for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. What a harsh sounding response. We will choose God. We want to connect with him every day. We want him to be the center of our lives. We want him to guide us. Joshua says, no, you don't. It sounds good right now, but there will come things that will arise that will seem appealing. Ways to say, you know what? What's one more click? What's one more purchase? What's one more whatever? The sin is that has been consuming you and me. He says, there will be days when you will say, is it really that bad to just have Jesus plus something else? To just have God plus my other comforts. The people, of course, respond, no, 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 you don't get it. We would love to follow Jesus, to follow God. We want this God who provides. So Joshua, he ends with this. He says, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. If you want to experience God's peace, and God's joy, and God's provision, and God's hope, and all that He has for you. It's not about doing the right things until eventually He's pleased with you, but recognizing He has already set you free. He has already given you everything you need. Every spiritual blessing is a yes and amen in Jesus. Everything you need to connect with God today and tomorrow and every single day. That your life might be centered not in your shame and your sinfulness, not in your own ability to try and try and try again, but instead in His abundant grace that He loves you completely and He will never leave you and never forsake you. So this is my encouragement to you, church family. My encouragement to myself as well. Connect with Jesus. Take some time today, not in this hour together, not in the words I'm speaking, not in our singing. Take some time, just you and Him. God, I need you today. Help me to find you. And then tomorrow, do it again tomorrow. And maybe this is brand new and you're not used to this. You're like, I don't know how. Just start somewhere. Pick someplace in His Word to read and say, God, where are you? In prayer to come before Him and just honestly say, I don't know how to connect with you, God, but I want to. God, help me to see your goodness and your kindness and your love. See, church, I believe that when you and I begin to grow in our relationship with Jesus, when Jesus is the center, not of our Sunday mornings, but of our every day, when Jesus is the source of our hope and the source of our life, when Jesus is our everything, we don't have to go and do a lot to connect the disconnected. We don't have to go and do a lot to please the Lord. No, we just get to be His children. And in doing so, others will say, I want this peace and this hope and this love that you have. Will you share it with me? It's that simple, church. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father,
I thank you that you have called us to choose this day whom we will serve. You're not telling us that we will not sin. You're not telling us to fix our lives or get it together. But God, you're telling us to come to the one who makes it all right, who sets us free from sin and slavery and bondage and death to give us life. Lord, I pray for each one of us that today we would find your life, that tomorrow we would seek your life, that in the midst of our sin, we would look to you for help, for comfort, for peace, for strength. God, that we would confess our sins every single day to trust in your faithfulness and your forgiveness that you have already set us free, made us new, given us a new hope and a new name as your children, dearly beloved. Thank you for your grace and your life. As we go forward from here, may you be the one we're centered in, we're connected with, we're deeply in love with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we continue our worship this morning, we are going to collect an offering. And our offering is not an opportunity to try to please God, to show Him just how much we love and care. No, our offering is an opportunity to say, God, I want to trust you in all things. And I want everything you have provided, be it a lot or be it a little, I want everything in my life to be focused on helping other people know your love. And I want to partner with the point and the people of the point to serve our community and to make a difference in Knoxville and the surrounding area and, and wherever God may move us in the future, I want to be a part of what he is doing. And so we collect an offering to say, I love you, God. Thank you for loving me. If you choose to give today, you can give online by clicking the little blue button there in the corner at, at thepointknox.com. If you give with a direct bank transfer, it's completely free to you and to us. It's pretty awesome. Uh, if you would rather give with cash or check, you can go through a Regents Bank drive through You can mail in a check to our P.O. box. We'll put these things on the screen for you. But I want you to know this. However you choose to give, it's not so that he loves you more. It's because he already loves you with everything in him and has given everything that you might be his. Amen. Hey church, so this is the part of our gathering where we take time to address your questions and we believe questions are a healthy part of faith. That doubt and faith are not exclusive, but they actually go together sometimes. Uh, today there is only one thing that was texted in. It wasn't a question, but a comment. And it says this, don't judge my sweatpants. <laughs> I, I just want you to know this, I'm not judging your sweatpants. In fact, I don't have my own pair of like comfy sweatpants that I go to but you guys will chuckle. As a guy who wears flip-flops and is barefoot all the time, wherever I can be, my comfort clothes are some like really, really soft and warm uh, moccasins that I wear at home and only at home. They were a gift like 13 years ago. So I am not judging your sweatpants. You rock those sweatpants, change out of them long enough to wash them, okay? That's it. Now. Uh, that was the only thing that came in. If you have questions or things you want to say, please text them in. I'd love to respond later. Uh, text me directly. Call me directly. I'd love to talk with you this week. And I have actually a question for you. Over the last couple of weeks, it's become abundantly clear to me that God is opening up a lot of great opportunities as a result of this COVID-19 safer at home time. 
God is opening up opportunities for us as the people of God at the point to connect people differently, to grow differently. And I'm really, really excited about what the future holds. But I also know there's some uncertainty. What does that actually practically look like? So I want to ask you guys this week, if you're not sure in your time with Jesus what to talk about or what to ask for, will you pray for those opportunities God's putting before the point? Will you pray for those opportunities we have to connect people and love people and serve them differently? And if you don't know what those opportunities are, just pray for opportunities to arise. I believe when you and I connect with Jesus every single day and in prayer, we're asking him to move and work. We're going to see some really cool things happen in you, in me, in us as a church. So with that said, church, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. As you go this week, know this last thing. Not only do I love you and do we love you, but y'all, y'all need Jesus this week. Go and find Jesus. Have a great week. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.